1: the bears talk underground is brought to you by our friends at bet online bet online knows you might not be able to get out to a game this year but you can still get in on the action at bet online bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online Head on over to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What's up, guys? Uh, the Week 10 preview episode of the Bear Stock Underground. This is our, our, our last game before a, a much-needed buy, a, a kind of night-and-day experience from having uh, Week 5 and Week 6 Uh, By weeks. So we're more than halfway through the season. We're finally going to get our break after this game against Minnesota on Monday. And this is a a much needed break. But will we get that much needed win going into it? You guys heard the conversation yesterday between myself and and Chris Gates and talking about the wild uh, history of this rivalry, the weird things that happen—you can throw the record books out. It doesn't matter who the who the better team is. It always kind of seems to shake out one way uh, or the other. The Bears tend to win in Mid- in Chicago uh, against the Vikings, regardless of how well they're playing at the time. That's happened time and time again, and then the inverse being true uh, in Minnesota uh, as well. The Bears have a hell of a time winning uh, in uh, in Minnesota. I mean. Nagy's undefeated there, but in 2018, we don't know what the hell happened to the Vikings. And then in 2019, uh, the Bears held on for a razor-thin victory against the um, Vikings' JV squad as they were getting ready for their wildcard matchup the week after. So um, can't really explain how the Bears have been lucky enough to keep winning in Minnesota under Nagy, but uh, we've got a two-game winning streak in Minnesota thus far. Uh, under uh, our head coach but um, I don't know as, as Chris and I talked about yesterday it's it's the under uh, upside down world that we're living in uh, in 2020 and, and nothing is as it should be or as it has been uh, in the past so why would a tradition uh, continue uh, as well especially with the way that the Bears uh, played last Sunday against the uh, Titans it was an absolutely embarrassing uh, performance uh, from our beloved and uh, the Vikings are peaking after a rough 1-5 start. They're undefeated after their bye week. They were 1-5. They've won two straight, beating uh, division rivals in Green Bay in Lambeau. And then at home last week against the Detroit Lions, in which Dalvin Cook is averaging about 19 yards a carry uh, in the last two weeks. So, um, you know, our vulnerability against the run might come back to kill us, despite what we were able to do to Derrick Henry this past Sunday. Um Dalvin Cook, as, you know, Chris said yesterday, has not had much success against the uh, Bears in his short career, but, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, and then Kirk Cousins 0 for 9 on Monday Night Football, Dalvin Cook hasn't had a good game against the Bears yet, so you kind of figure that some of those streaks there are due to come to a close at some point, so. We'll see how it'll all go. So let's go ahead and dig into it. We got news and notes. We got keys to the game. It's the week 10 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Week number 10 in the NFL schedule means that we have hit the peak and we are now on the downhill side of the NFL schedule. We're into the second half and uh, barreling towards an early exit <laughs> if we keep playing the way we've played the last three weeks. What's going on, everybody? Larity back the week ten preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. We got keys to the game, we got news and notes, ton uh, to get to, and uh, of course, in case you missed it, had a great conversation yesterday with Chris Gates of the Daily Norseman from SB Nation, uh, who's been uh, one of our one of one of our first guests and. Uh, one of our best guests uh, to help preview the Vikings game uh, yesterday, and and per the per the usual uh, with Chris, we talked about you know the weird rivalry, uh, the weird history of the rivalry. That's a tongue twister for you, and and you know going into it, he's about as cynical about the Vikings' chances to win the football game. As I am about the Bears' chances to win the football game, it's like I, um, you know, the history and and you know the quirks of this rivalry kind of give me some comfort that you know we have that on our side, and sometimes somehow, some way, the Bears always find a way to win this game in Chicago uh, when the Vikings come to town. But you know, you've heard me say it a hundred times in knee-jerk reactions already so far this season. Nothing we've done up to this point shows that we're ready to pull that off. I mean, uh, you know, you you heard me mention in the open. You heard me probably say it yesterday in the conversation with Chris. It's like Chris Kirk Cousins has yet to win a football game on Monday night, playing on a lot of bad Washington Redskins teams and then having some bad luck in his Monday night matchups with the uh, Vikings um Dalvin Cook in his short career has not had a good game in Soldier Field especially against the Bears in 2018 and 2019 he was the leading rusher in the NFL coming into the game and he was not the leading rusher in the NFL when he left the game that's for sure um you know especially last year the Bears completely shut Dalvin Cook down when he had a monster first three games uh of the season uh you know week four of last year The early matchup between the Bears was probably our best defensive performance of the season as we virtually shut the Vikings out. They scored a late, late touchdown in a 16 to 6 victory uh, over Minnesota. It's like that was uh, you you know, you heard me talk a lot last year about the yeah, but victories. That was one of the few non yeah, but wins that we had uh, on our schedule last year. So um, hopefully we can get another performance out of the defense like that. And kind of remove the liability of the offense to, uh, you know, to do anything for us uh, on Monday. Let the defense just take control of the football game like they did in week four uh, of last year. But the probability of that happening with our offense, it's unpredictable because right now we don't know who's playing, who's coming back. We know that Jason Spriggs is back uh, or that he will be. He's off the COVID list and he's been practicing. no, actually, he didn't practice. So we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> ah, hell. But, you know, it's like we don't know who the offensive line uh, is going to be. I think we know it's going to be uh, Fetty is out there. Um, we know that Charles Leno was out there. But is anybody comforted by any of that? You know, Hambright was was decent uh, as a left guard, or at least he didn't stick out as poorly as Coward and Afidi did. Uh, and everything. Uh, I don't think we heard much complaining, if any, about Alex Bars uh, and and his performance at center uh, on Sunday, but he's our third string center, as is Hambright would be our third string option at left
0: Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.
1: Was abysmal and Jermaine Ufidi just was terrible against the Titans. So, you know, I don't think the Vikings are that impressive up front as far as their pass rush is concerned, but Mike Zimmer is their defensive coordinator, so he's going to be cooking up ways to... Uh, get some mismatches or if, if you guys remember the pirouette from the Saints game he'll be doing something to uh, to twist and stunt and uh, mix up the you know scrambled eggs between the ears for Rashad Coward and those guys up front biting on some fakes and open up some wide open lanes for some pass rushers to come and get Nick Foles who God bless him for for you know uh, for his, for his, for the talents he does possess scrambling in the pocket is not one of them so if somebody's zeroing in on him he's pretty much you got him dead to rights so um you know it's uh the uh, just not not optimistic about our chances uh on sunday we've seemed to like we 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 played so poorly against the rams and then we should have won uh, against the saints we had plenty of opportunities to win that football game especially in the overtime period none of which were on the offensive side of the ball mind you but defense could have put us in a spot to to win that game but they came up short on three different uh, occasions and then we regressed all over again um, in that uh, Titans uh, game where we just were completely inept uh, on offense and uh, you know the defense like I said had a victory worthy performance but it didn't matter the offense and their ineptitude kind of canceled all of that out and um you know the only comfort that i really have about this game is that it's taking place in soldier field and we seem to play better at home I, I you know or at least we're, we're we're better at not digging ourselves into a hole uh at home it's like you, you just you go back and you look at all of our road games we're scratching and clawing from behind and basically all of them you had detroit you had atlanta um who do we play you know because uh because week week two was at home, week three was Atlanta. That was on the road. Week four was Indianapolis. Um, week five was Tampa Bay. Six was uh, Carolina, where that was pretty much a back and forth thing with with Carolina. We were pretty much in charge of that game from the beginning, uh, for the most part, you know. And then the last three weeks, you know, the Rams was abysmal on the road. At home, better performance against the Saints on the road last week at Tennessee uh you know terrible uh once again so it just we 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 seem to be a bit more stable at home I I guess and like I said not digging ourselves into uh an early hole Uh, we're we're good at digging late ones, that's for sure uh letting the our opponents uh (laughs) what a mess this football team is guys really but uh you know it is at home um it is against it is on Monday night against the the Vikings, the Vikings struggle on Monday night. Kirk Cousins struggles on Monday night. So there are things that that the football gods like to play with, uh, I guess. But I just don't know. I don't know. And then Chris Gates is more subscribing to those funny things. Chris uh, Kirk Cousins not playing well on Monday night. Dalvin Cook hasn't had a good game against the Bears. Minnesota never wins in Chicago. He's leaning more on those kind of things, or at least I guess maybe he's, you know, trying to brace his fall. If the Vikings do lose, then he's got those weird, you know, historical quirks to lean on. Kirk Cousins bad on Monday night. Kirk Cousins is like, you know, one in five against the Bears or something like that. Uh, you know, Dalvin Cook can't show up against the Bears, that kind of stuff. This is this is what we expected to happen, and it did. So there you go. And uh, the Bears, on the other hand, just need to Show up, man. We really just need to show up, especially on the offensive side. Help the defense out because this def- this football team might break out into civil war if our offense gets another performance together like the one they get against Tennessee. I mean, they there just might be uh, a mutiny in in the football team because it's getting ugly, 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 ugly out there. So let's go ahead and dive into our news and notes. Lots to talk about uh here. Um, let's talk about our transactions. Uh, for this week Uh, unfortunately we have lost Roy Robertson Harris for the season uh, to a shoulder injury he had uh, season-ending shoulder surgery this week Um, he has been placed on the IR to counteract that the Bears have signed defensive tackle Anthony Rush from the uh, Philadelphia Eagles I believe that's where we got him from Um, he's 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 only a second year player he was a rookie undrafted rookie free agent last year who started with the Eagles bounced around he was with the Raiders he think he spent some time with the Seahawks this year before he went back to Philadelphia or something like that it was kind of confusing trying to keep up with where this kid has been but the Bears signed him to the 53 man roster and he is a beast 6'5 350 so he's a space taker I mean and, and just the kind of guy I guess that we would want uh, on the defensive line in the game like this, you want him taking up space, slowing up that offensive line, so Trevathan and and um, you know Roquan and, and all those guys can fly around and and uh, you know stay unencumbered to get to uh, Dalvin Cook and um, you know slow him and, and or stop him uh, on Monday night. So if you got McCullers, who is basically a uh, a shaved bear, uh, six foot seven, three hundred eighty pounds. <laughs> uh wearing Kyle Long's number 75 and you get that guy out there 65 uh 350 Thus that's, that's taking up plenty of space uh on that uh defensive on that offensive line uh for the Vikings uh you know they can keep a keep a lot of guys occupied to, to free up to free up our back seven so that they might be uh available to make some tackles and, and break through some through some gaps and, and, and things like that so I can see why we would want to get after a guy like that. So uh, in other signings, uh, the Bears have added uh, a familiar name, uh, Eric Cush, uh, offensive guard slash center, uh, to the practice squad, along with uh, Kyle Slaughter, uh, quarterback. You might remember him as the third-string quarterback who almost beat the Bears last year uh, in Soldier Field, or was it, was it Thanksgiving? Either way. Uh, you know a guy that had no business uh, contending with us almost beat us last year he is now a member of our practice squad probably to make up for the fact that we don't really know what's going on with Mitch right now who's still out with a shoulder injury and Tyler Bray is still Tyler Bray so it never hurts to have an extra guy around who's got some starting experience I mean he played well against the Bears in the the time that I got to see him uh, play, player that we did uh, anyway so Hopefully Eric Cush will not be on the practice squad long. He'll be able to get acclimated and get onto the playing field sooner rather than uh, later. Because, you know, I've never had a problem with Kush when he was playing uh, for the Bears. And, uh, you know, was kind of sad to see him go last year when he signed with the Browns. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't work out and he's a free man again. So here he is back in Chicago for, I think, his third tenure uh, with the team. And uh, we'll see how that uh, see how that goes. Hopefully, we can get him on the field, and he can help us out because God knows we could use it. Um, let's see. One name that I haven't heard about, especially since uh, David Montgomery is still in the concussion protocol uh, as of Thursday, so um, I'm not hearing anything about Lamar Miller. And I'm and I'm hoping that that's one of those uh, things that uh, is trying to be a closely guarded secret uh, for the Bears that they don't want the uh, Vikings preparing for Lamar Miller or anything like that but if David Montgomery doesn't play the first guy off the off the you know on our in our depth chart with Tariq Cohen gone for the season or the first running back I should say is Ryan Nall and then the other guy is Cordero Patterson we're already having enough trouble running the football we can't have that as our only running options Lamar Miller if David Montgomery isn't out there, there's no reason on earth Lamar Miller shouldn't be out there. I don't care. He's been on the team for five weeks. If he's not in shape now, he's not going to be, and he shouldn't be on the team. We need him to play. We've needed an extra option coming out of the backfield since Tariq Cohen got hurt. It has to be Lamar Miller, okay? If we're not going to uh, you know, uh, build off of the, the progress that we saw from Ryan Nall last week in Tennessee, get Lamar Miller out there, he's a proven hand you know, probably chomping at the bit to get some real action, uh, you know, in an NFL game. Stop wasting time. Get him out there. You know, get him out there. Let's see him play. Uh, let's see him out on the field. You know, what's the worst that's going to happen? You know, that he's not going to run the football well. We've already got plenty of guys that are already not doing that. So uh, let's go ahead and get him out there. I'm not hearing enough. I'm not hearing rumors or anything like that, which is what's disheartening. Uh, For me, there isn't any kind of like rumor mill rumblings. Lamar Miller, oh, Lamar Miller's getting snaps in practice and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we might see him on Monday or anything like that. So that's been kind of uh, discouraging. And then finally, our good friend um, Eric Lambert from Sports Mockery um, posted an interesting article earlier this week. And the name of the article was something along the lines of did our tight end coach just exposed Matt Nagy and I was like okay well I'm definitely clicking on that so I go ahead and and I read it, and forgive me it's been a few days and I wasn't able to find it uh, again before the show but it was something along the lines of everything that we would have feared uh, about Matt Nagy and his play calling uh, philosophy Um, because it's um I, I think it was our tight end coach, uh, Clancy Barone, I believe his name is, uh, answering questions from the press about, you know, why he thinks or why we're not seeing more Cole Komet or why we're not seeing – because commit has been on the field more lately, but he's – I think he still only has like eight catches on 12 targets or something, something bananas for our highest draft choice nine games into the season. Um, but, uh, you know – it just um, – he, he answered the question in a way that uh, there's something along the lines of there aren't enough him routes, uh, out, you know, in our offense or in the play calling or, or something like that. That's why, you know, like when they run a play, it's not necessarily designed to, to go to him or, or something like that. Or it, it just so happens that, uh, you know, when the quarterback comes to the line of scrimmage and he, and he makes the call – it, it, he made it sound like the field's being split in half if he makes this call then the receivers on the left are on are the, the the top options if he makes this call then the receivers on the right kind of the option and and it sounds more like instead of calling plays for the personnel that are on the field Nagy is calling plays regardless of who is on the field like Nagy thinks that and and it speaks to why the offense is, is struggling while we're constantly scratching our heads over why is he out there right now why is Demetrius Harris out there instead of this guy why is this because it doesn't matter Nagy thinks his scheme is so brilliant no matter who is on the field it's going to work and that's why we we tend to see the configurations of personnel uh the way that we do and that's pretty much what the tight end coach uh was talking about was that basically Nagy's calling uh, the plays regardless of who's on the field regardless of who's on the field you know Cordero Patterson is in there uh, you know oh you know and Montgomery's on the sidelines getting a breather uh, we're going to call a running play well I guess Cordero's playing running back then because our starting running back is on the sidelines and uh, and things like that so we're, we're going to run the ball even though our running back is standing next to me instead of on the field in the huddle and you know that's the that's the you know the big reason i think why we're struggling is that we're we're, we're not setting our like we, it's the conversation in the last few weeks we're not setting our guys up to succeed uh Nagy thinks that his scheme is so brilliant that it will work no matter who is out there and uh it's it is a, in his eyes based on that uh theory it is the lack of execution that's why the offense isn't working not because he's not putting the nice, the best eleven guys out there, or you know the best skill position people for this play call, he's uh, you know more concerned with the fact that you know who cares if I my third, fourth, and fifth of receivers are out there. This is the right route configuration. Just run the routes, and the play will work. You know, and then that also kind of goes back to what Nick Foles said to Brian Greasy going into the Monday night game against the Rams. Was that he knows when a play call comes into the huddle, whether or not the play is going to work because, uh, you know, the offensive line won't give him the time that he needs in order to complete that pass or you know or to, you know, for for who we're going to be looking for on this particular play call. I don't have four seconds to throw the ball to wait for this guy to get open and things like that. But we're going to call that play uh, anyway. So I'm going to be looking for the hot guy because. You know, our number one option as far as this play is concerned is not going to be I'm going to be on my back before that guy gets open uh, kind of thing. So was kind of a um, disheartening read that, you know, the kind of theories that we have about what Matt Nagy is doing and, and why it's not working kind of, uh, you know, seem to be uh, justified or, or validated, I guess, that, uh, you know, why it is that Maggie Nagy doesn't see himself as an issue. Uh, when it comes to the struggles of our offense he's just sitting there and with the idea that it's a lack of execution because he knows these plays work even though he's watched them fail over and over and over again in the first nine games of the season but I also saw another article I didn't go into it uh, and read it because I didn't want to get my hopes up but one that said Nagy's seems to be closer to giving up play calling than ever before so I hope to God that that's true But I also hope that it's not going to take another loss to Minnesota uh, or a fourth straight loss heading into the bye as a 500 football team before Nagy will entertain the option. So uh, I I would really like it uh, if that happens sooner. But we're only 72 hours away from the game here on Thursday night. So I doubt that it's going to happen before then. So. Maybe another, you know, I I was hoping that Sunday's game against the Titans was rock bottom, maybe getting our asses kicked by a division rival on national television, wearing the worst jerseys in the history of pro football. Maybe that will be the kick in the ass that Nagy needs to open his eyes and uh, be humble enough to hand over the play calling duties and let him just coach the team. Because like I've said, I've said it over and over. I don't have an issue with Matt Nagy as our head coach. I really don't. I think he's an outstanding coach. And we saw that in 2018 because Matt Nagy himself, I feel, was the difference between the Bears being like an eight and eight, nine and seven team, and being a 12 and seven, 12 and four uh, division winner and going into the playoffs uh, and whatnot. The way the team responded to him and bought into what he was selling uh, to the team in 2018, I-, I believed, you know, and I believe, and I believe it now, that he's the right guy to be leading this team as the head coach and if he you know can be the give up those play calling duties hopefully he can prove me right that he is the guy give up the play calling let somebody else do it you coach the coaches you you know coach the team coach the coaches and see where we go from there and uh you know his mentor Andy Reed did it that's how he got his job he was the play caller uh in Kansas City so you know if Andy Reid can do it the guy that you learn from why can't you and I know you you know Andy Reid called his own place for a very long time he did it for most of his tenure in Minnesota I'm, I'm sure he was calling plays uh, in Kansas City uh, as well but eventually he handed that off and I think that when he did his football team got better because Andy Reid is an outstanding football coach that was now coaching the whole team instead of just one side of the ball so hopefully that will happen and uh, we can all happily watch the Bears get better on offense because even if we had like a middle of the road mediocre 16th rank offense number one it would be about 10 spots better than the Bears have ranked in Nagy's time as head coach and number two we'd probably go undefeated for the rest of the season you know with a with a mediocre offense coming in at 16 in the NFL and and our defense, which would probably skyrocket in improvement because our offense is keeping them off the field and keeping them fresh like they did in 2018, who knows what could happen with this team. So that's the thing. So real quick to wrap up, uh, we have our injury report, and I think with the extra day to get ready, the Bears uh, didn't practice until today uh, on Thursday. We'll just go through it real quick. Our non-injury veteran days off guys, Danny Trevathan, Akeem Hicks, Jimmy Graham, all had the day off today. Uh, Tayshawn Gibson, uh, nursing a foot injury. who was limited today. John Jenkins, still not practicing with the ankle injury. Cole Komet with a groin was out today. Sherrick McManus, a hand injury now. What is going on with poor Sherrick, man? It's, 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 I guess because he's, he's in his 30s now, he's just breaking down okay? Uh, our Mingo, our leading rusher for the first 3 quarters of the football game on Sunday is uh, limited with a <clears throat> excuse me, with a shoulder injury. Uh, David Montgomery is still in the concussion protocol as I said before, has not practiced yet this week. Sam Mustafa with that knee injury was out today. Allen Robinson also with a knee injury limited. Roquan Smith back injury limited. Jason Spriggs off the COVID list. On to the injury list with a knee injury. I don't know how he hurt his knee while he was sitting around doing nothing last week, but he did it. Uh, Brent Urban, one of my favorite players on the team. The guy's been a really great surprise for the Bears' shin and thumb injuries, but was full go today, as was Joshua Woods, uh, one of our reserve linebackers or special teams guy, ankle and calf injuries, but was full go. So that's about a third of the team, if not more, on the injury list for one reason or another. And we've got two more days of practice on Friday and Saturday to get ready for Monday night's game. So hopefully that will improve, and uh, hopefully we'll be hearing either on Saturday or Sunday that uh, you know um, Montgomery has cleared concussion protocol, or Lamar Miller's been signed to the active roster and will be our starting running back on on Monday. One of those two things has to happen on Monday. If neither of those things happen you know uh Montgomery doesn't come off from con- concussion protocol and uh we don't sign Lamar Miller to the active roster or elevate him from the practice squad uh to the active roster <sighs> i shudder to think what might happen in in the in the cuz we're basically killing one half of an offense that's already struggling uh worse than any other that we've uh had in Chicago in quite some time so Anyway, that's going to do it for news and notes. Take a quick break and we'll be back with our keys to the game for week number 10. <laughs> the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online knows you might not be able to get out to a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head on over to BetOnline today and use promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The show is also brought to you by Manscaped. Listen up, fellas, because today we have a new Manscaped product alert manscaped just released the weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer take a look in the mirror and i guarantee you'll see airs hair sticking out of those holes it's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as your clean shaven pubes manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their weed whacker this nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks snags snags and tugs on those delicate holes The premium manscaped weed whacker uses a 9000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. I said all that in one breath. How about that? It's intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience and it is waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. The only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium-ion battery that lasts for up to 90 minutes of use. Have you ever pulled your nose hair out with your fingers? It might hurt worse than nicking your balls. Manscaped is making wh- whacking your weeds a time to look forward to, delivering a maximum confidence experience uh, while providing hygiene. yes. You will get a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. Look, fellas, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff and it's time to upgrade your Manscaped routine with the Weed Whacker. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Thank you, Manscaped, for keeping our pubes trimmed and our hairs in our holes looking nice. Once again, 20% off and free shipping with uh, with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping. Use the code armchair. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds, and let's get back to the show. <laughs> Keys to the game for week number 10 between the Bears and the Minnesota Vikings. And, and you know, honestly, I kind of want to just copy and paste last week's instructions uh, and, and, and slap them into this one, uh, mostly because the Bears just didn't do it. Last week, I had two keys to the game that essentially had nothing to do with X's and O's because we didn't know what to expect, to expect from the offensive line uh, or anything like that. And basically, my I think my instructions were simple. Minimize mistakes, maximize playmaking opportunities. We didn't do either of those things in the game against the Titans, so it was not a surprise whatsoever that Tennessee... Even though they had 200 plus yards of total offense, their starting quarterback threw for 158 yards, and uh, their leading rusher had 68 yards, 26 of which he got on one carry. Um, You know, it's not a surprise uh, that the Titans came away with an easy victory despite all of that. Um, You know, for the defense to play as well as it did, for our special teams units to play as well as they did. Uh, And then for our off, I mean, the offense had to be pretty awful to offset as well as those other two units played on Saturday in the past. in you know, like the lovey years and things like that, that had been enough to win us football games. You know, when we get a punt return uh, from Devin Hester or something like that, uh, or Brad Maynard has a good day punting the football and keeping our opponents in, in, you know, long uh, drive situations, you know, deep in their own territory kind of thing. And the, The defense holds our opponent to, uh, you know, 14 points, 17 points or whatever. That always was enough for us to come away with victories. But instead, our defense only gave up 17 points uh, on Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. And, um, you know, because our offense gave up an additional seven, dug ourselves a hole that we couldn't get out of. And our offense was horrendous on top of it. So, like I said last week, 17 points might as well have been 1,700 Uh, points with the way the offense had uh, played in that game and you know it's pretty much going to be the same for this week as it was last week excuse me for the titans it's like we we gotta stop with the uh with the mistakes whether they be mental errors like i don't know what the hell jermaine afidi thought he was supposed to be doing on that fourth and one uh in the opening drive Uh, i don't know what Allen robinson thought he was doing when he ran out of bounds after four yards on third and five Uh, you know, things like that. It's those things that are affecting us and, you know, showing some kind of field awareness, you know, why are you breaking off your route at six yards when it's third and eight, Uh, you know, things like that. It's those things have to stop. I honestly, it's those things that you just can't wrap your head around because you watch every other NFL team or at the very least, every one of our opponents doing the opposite it's third and seven, everybody's running a nine-yard route before they're turning around to look for the ball. And granted, not everybody that we're playing is having the same struggles with the offensive line that we are, so I get why our receivers might be running shorter routes, but at the same time, how long does it take you to run eight yards? Honestly, if you can run a 40 in four seconds, how long is it taking you to run an eight-yard route? I mean, it just it's just common sense. So, you know, if it's third and five, don't run a three-yard route. Get past the goddamn sticks before you turn it around and looking for the football. You know, it just – those are the things that are killing us. It's just, uh, you know, we, we did a better job with the penalties. We only had five uh, against the Titans, and those actually came, came like, later uh, in the game as well. I don't think we really had any penalties till like, our seventh offensive drive or something. I think that's what I read or heard in a podcast uh, this week. Still number one in the NFL with the penalties, but, you know, we uh, at the very least did not uh, didn't rack them up early and often like we had uh, in the past. So, um, you know, so but it was the other mistakes that the like I just pointed out uh, mental errors, uh, you know, uh, technique errors and, you know, Jermaine Afidi putting his head down like that. Embarrassing, man. And actually, I was wrong about that play the the defensive tackle wasn't lined up on his outside shoulder he was lined up on the inside of afedi and that's what makes it even worse is that he went across afedi's face from the inside to the outside and swam underneath him that i mean that makes it even worse you know <laughs> it's it's one thing to just miss him completely and let him you know, if he's lined up on the outside and you miss him and he just whiffs right past you, it's another thing entirely for him to have to put his entire body and run it across your face and you still miss him completely. That is another level of incompetence right there. And he also did it with his head pointed straight down at the ground, you know, oh, it's just disgusting to think about quite frankly. But, um, You know, it's it's those other kind of mental errors and mistakes outside of the penalties that we really need to stop with the, you know, the false starts that, you know, take us from, you know, that fourth and one. It was a fourth and one false start, fourth and six. All right, fine. We're still going for it. Another false start. Now it's fourth and 11. To hell with it. Punt the ball, you know, to forget it. We I guess we don't want to go for it. Let's just kick the ball those are the things that are killing us the fake punt we ran the fake punt got 11 yards and a first down and rather than just you know throwing the offense right out there and running the first play we had to call a timeout because we didn't have our personnel out on the field (laughs) just seriously man you know we get a momentum swinging play and then we kill that momentum by having to call a timeout because we don't have our shit together that's fantastic So, I mean, those are the things. Forget about the penalties. Those mental errors and things like that, we continue to shoot ourselves in the foot. That's what has to stop, you know, or at least minimize it. You know, nobody's going to play a perfect 60-minute football game, so I'm not really asking for the Bears to do that. Essentially, that's what they have to do uh, in order to win. They have to be perfect, but it's unrealistic to expect them to be. Um, But it's just those things right there, the little mental errors, not knowing where you are on the field, running routes short of the first down when we're in line-to-gain situations and things like that. Like first down, second down, break an eight-yard route on first and ten, I don't care. But when it's third and five and you run a three-yard route and then run out of bounds after four, you're making me wonder if you went to school on the short bus. I mean, honestly, that is – that's not helping us. It's not helping us. And then that led to a short-yarded situation, which we suck at, and then we watched our offensive lineman let a defensive tackle run across his face, and he still missed him completely. And he was able to – the guy didn't make the tackle, but he slowed David Montgomery down enough so that the Titans could tackle him. And that was Rob Allen Robinson's fault because he ran the three-yard route and ran out of bounds after four yards on third and five. Uh, which led to Jermaine Afidi's tremendous uh, blocking techniques on that play. Those are the things that have to stop or, like I said before, have to be minimized if we're going to survive. Um, and the other thing is, you know, defensively, we, we, we it's the play calling or the playmaking opportunity again. From what I understand, we had at least two interceptions get away from us Against the uh, Titans, one at the very start of the football game that would have gone for a pick six, that who knows how that could have altered everything that happened uh, in the football game. But you've heard me bellyache about the turnover opportunities that we missed against the Saints uh, in the overtime period, and it's just something that's happened over and over and over uh, again with the defense. Uh, as well as they've played, that's one thing that they are sorely lacking in. And one thing that we've needed more than anything from the defense this year is that play playmaking, ball hawking uh, opportunity. And, 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 you know, it's the really the one thing that's been a huge difference between what we've been able to accomplish this year and what made us special in 2018 was we were the ones creating – turnovers getting the football back putting in our offenses uh hands keeping ourselves off the field and uh and things like that the defense was really really good at that and that's one of the reasons that we struggle so mightily uh this year is that we're not getting those turnovers that we need we're not creating opportunities and and giving that short field that our offense so desperately needs this is not a you know 15 play 90 yard drive kind of offense this is a, you know, six plays from 40 yards out kind of uh, offense. They can manage that. But when they have to go the entire length of the football field, I think maybe we've done that once this year, if we've done it at all. It's it's not an offense that's built for that. It just isn't. So the defense has got to help us out like that. And, you know, it's, it's difficult generating turnovers or takeaways or whatever you want to call them, but... We've had our opportunities, and we've let them slip by just about every single time, especially in the last three games. So that's what has to improve dramatically if we're going to have a shot. And if we get after Kirk Cousins, if we can get in his face and we can make him rush a throw or something like that, uh, it could be Eddie Jackson in 2018 all over again trying to strike up the band in the end zone after he runs back a pick six like he did in 2018. You know, that that's what we could be what we could be looking at. If we get after Kirk Cousins, he's going to serve one up for us. And if he does, we can't effing drop it this time. We can't let it slip through our fingers or start running before we catch it or anything like that. We have to take advantage of these gifts that our opponents are giving us because we just keep giving them right back. Like, oh, here's a pick six for Kyle No, actually, we're just going to let you go ahead and try to play out the string here uh, on that one offensively I don't really have any keys for offense because we don't know who the offensive line is going to be not yet anyway not in a concrete way they've only practiced one day so far uh this week um I know I definitely like the idea of Spriggs coming back he's he's not a great offensive tackle but he's better than what Rashad Coward would have been um you know I'm I'm hoping that You know, Cody Whitehair will come back because he's not on the injury. I know he's on the COVID list or he hasn't come off of it yet. We don't know what's going on with Cody Whitehair yet. And anyone that we would want to have back is still on the injury list. Spriggs, Mustapher, things like that. Um, And I don't know if it's been enough time or protocol or whatever to get Eric Cush up to speed and get him out there instead of Hambright or whatever the situation is. We don't know who the front five are going to be. Uh, pretty certain Leno's out there, pretty certain Affiti's out there. After that, it's it's anyone else's guess, and it's uh, it's not a grab bag that that uh, I want to be uh, sticking my hand into, that's for sure. So we don't know who our starting running back is going to be. Will David Montgomery clear uh, a concussion protocol to play? And if he doesn't, is it going to be Ryan Nall? Is Cordell Patterson going to be our main runner, or will we finally elevate Lamar Miller there are just too many questions on the offensive side of the football to be like yeah let's do this with the offense or do that or blah 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 and um you know so again it's all going to fall on the defense it's going to fall on the special teams to create opportunities for us you know Dwayne Harris would really like to see him run one back put some free points uh, on the board uh, for us maybe the offense can be efficient enough to get us in field goal range so that uh Cairo Santos who's been kicking really really well for us this year uh you know can win us a you know 19 to 13 kind of game just kicking a bunch of field goals I'll take that you know going into the bye I just want the Bears to win the game I really just want us to win not go in there on a four game uh losing streak with the Packers waiting for us on the other side that's not gonna be pretty, guys. It really isn't. We need to be six and four because if we lose, we'll be five and six after the bye. For sure. There's no way we're going up to Lambo at <laughs> that football team and winning. It's not gonna happen. It's just not gonna happen. It might be that brutal Mark Tressman game where we're down forty two to nothing at halftime. It might be that bad. Okay? It might be that bad. So I'm not looking forward to that game at all. I'm really not. So uh, I know I've been glass half empty for the last several weeks, and I know a lot of you can't blame me. Uh, you know that I love this team. You know that I support this team, that I want it to win, but I'm also living in the world of reality where I'm watching this team play. And, you know, you've heard me say before, nothing we've done up to this point makes me think that, you know, we're going to be able to pull this off. And, uh, you know, we defended this team when they were 5-1. and one. I defended them when they were 5-2. and two they shouldn't have gone five and three. We should have beaten that and we should have won that New Orleans game. And then last week we, just you know, offense never got off the bus. So what are you going to do? You know, it's a frustrating team to sit and watch. Um, and, uh, you know, it's hard to be optimistic about what, what you, what you want to see or what you think is going to happen when so little of what we do is positive, especially on the offensive side especially when so many things are working against us on the offensive side. we got a play-calling head coach who won't give up play-calling duties. You heard me talk about before how he believes in his scheme so deeply it doesn't matter what the personnel is on the field, which explains a lot about who's on the field, when, and why. And, um, you know, the offensive line issues there because we had a general manager that didn't feel the need to invest in the offensive line outside of a first-round draft bust in Jermaine Afidi and a second-round draft bust in in Jason Spriggs. That was the extent of his investment in the offensive line until our last two draft picks, and those guys were about 20 picks away from being undrafted rookie free agents. So that was um, Brian Pace's investment in the offensive line coming into this season. Well, there was a lot of talk in the offseason about how these guys – are uh, you know essentially playing for their jobs? That's how Ryan Pace took it to heart uh, with the offensive line that struggled so badly uh, in 2019. He thought Juan Castillo was the magic wand to, to wave over that. He's been wrong about that uh, for the first three weeks. He looked like a genius. Hell, I was sold on it. And then uh, you know the Indianapolis game happened, and I don't know what it was that everyone saw in that Indianapolis footage, but our offensive line has been getting waylaid by everyone else since then so and i know that's when the injury started we lost james daniels and all that kind of stuff but at the same time james daniels was on the field for the entire indianapolis game and most of the tampa bay game and the offensive line looked like it did in 2019 after playing so well for the first three weeks so you know we averaged over 130 yards rushing a game in those first three weeks and then i think we're struggling to put 60 on the board since then. So, you know, we we've got a lot of work to do on the offensive line. I don't know if we have the people in the building to fix it this year or if we're just going to have to grit our teeth and and suffer through another catastrophic season like the one in 2019 after starting out so well and what the repercussions will be in the offseason uh, as well. So, you know, like i said the keys are simple basically they're the same as last week's we got to minimize the mistakes because we're not a football team that can dig itself out from its under its own mistakes so we got to stop making mistakes and then we also have to maximize when our opponents make mistakes if they give us a free 15yard penalty for some you know face mask or roughing the pass or unnecessary roughness all that kind of stuff we have to make them pay for that we got to make them pay for that one way one way or the other and uh, the Bears just flat-on aren't doing that. So, honestly, until that changes, those are going to be my keys through the rest of the season. Because we know what the defense is capable of. We know what we have in our kicker, and Pat O'Donnell's been punting the ball really well. So that speaks for itself. Until we start minimizing the, minimizing the mistakes and maximizing our playmaking abilities, those are going to be my keys. And once we start doing that, then I can flip back to, oh, let's make sure we get after the passer this week and blah, 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 blah. We can change all that. But until then, this is what we need to do because outside it doesn't really matter what the X's and O's are because it's just a mess right now on the offensive line and on the offense period. And we know we have in our in our defense and the, the one thing the defense isn't doing is taking advantage of the mistakes that our opponents are making when the quarterback hangs one up there or when he doesn't read that the corner is going to jump the route or anything like that. We're not making them pay for that. And until we do, that's going to be my key for the defense. Maximize the playmaking opportunities when, you know, when Kirk Cousins hangs one up there trying to squeeze it into Justin Jefferson, you got to make him pay for that. You know, take it back to the house or just flat out take it away and give it back to our offense and give them the short field that they need in order to be successful. So those are the keys once again this week. Minimize the mistakes. Maximize the playmaking opportunities. To uh, you know, either catch the Vikings uh, sleeping and put an early touchdown on the board, something like that. How about the offense just gives our defense a a lead to protect? You know, that's a defense that can protect the lead, as opposed to being a defense that's struggling to get the ball back to our offense to try to dig ourselves out of this hole. So that's it. I'm done. That's going to wrap up the preview for Week Number Ten. Come back on Tuesday. Um, to wrap up this game bear up and bear down uh wednesday will be the review show and then uh we'll have our bye week show um talking to uh trying to coordinate with lauren cox now about when to uh when that show is going to take place um and uh get ready for the, the much-needed break and uh get ready for that last uh, six games see what the bears got because we got uh, four division opponents the texans and the jaguars to finish out the year and uh right now the two win texans and the one win jaguars look at their, look like our best opportunity to get a win uh to close this season out so a lot of things are gonna have to change in order to make that true so uh, anyway that's gonna be it come back on tuesday for bear up and bear down and until then my name is larry d and this has been the bears talk underground hey,